thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good evening, everybody. Good evening, edgy folk. I hope you are all well. This evening, we've got a very exciting show for you, courtesy of Pearson and Darren Lester, who will be with us momentarily. But before we do any of that, I just want to introduce you to a fabulous new sponsor that we have. Uh, And it's time for a fresh start to language learning. Pearson Edexcel's new student-centred French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs cater to the needs of all learners, regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying. Rooted in learned language knowledge, their assessments are transparent and accessible, allowing all students to showcase their language skills. Through inclusive and relatable content, the new Pearson Edexcel MFL GCSEs build a shared cultural capital that helps students develop an understanding of and an appreciation of the wider world. And if you want to find out more about that, you need to go to, this is a mouthful for you, go to go.pearson.com forward slash uh, and then in capital letters, MFL GCSE 24. So hopefully you got all that. And uh, we will hear from them again throughout the show. I can see Darren is here and ready to go. So we're just going to bring him in. Good evening, Darren. How are you doing? If it helps, we're quite happy to um, introduce ourselves and um, and make a bit of a start too. We will do. In fact, actually, if you could all take it in turns to introduce yourselves, that would be superb. And I'll be back with you in a moment. My name's Katie Lewis, and I'm the head of MFL at Pearson Edexcel. So um, we have obviously been working over the past couple of years on the redevelopment of the French GCSE, which was accredited by Ofqual two weeks ago. And I'm here with my colleague Mike John. Uh, yeah, thanks, Katie. I'm Mike John. Um, evening, everyone. I'm Senior Qualifications Manager at uh, Pearsonet Excel. So I'm working with Katie on the new qual and the current qual, of course, because that's still going ahead. <laughs> and really lovely to be here tonight and uh, looking forward to chatting with everyone if they can get the mics to work. <laughs> Hi, can you hear me? Hi. Hi, Corrine. How are you? Hi. Uh, I'm OK. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, so <clears throat> I've got a bit of a cold. So, uh, yes, I'm uh, Corrine Harrington. And I also work at Pearson, but more as, as a kind of a trainer and consultant. So I've been working on the um, the new specification, but I'm also one of the trainers um, at Pearson, and I'm also a teacher. So <laughs> thank um, you, Corinne. This is Darren. Darren, you're here. Hooray! <laughs> um, how far through the introduction did we get? Did everybody get a chance to speak? I uh, know it's just Mike, Corinne, and I. Ah, I okay. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> All right, perfect. So, Karina, I think I interrupted you. Did you say everything that you wanted to? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's. That, I think that's enough. Yeah. All right, perfect, perfect. Um, Adam, do you want to introduce yourself? Hello. If you yeah, can. Yeah, I, I think I've figured it out now. Um, hey. <laughs> um, so I'm Adam Lamb. Um, I'm a charter teacher. I'm a head of faculty in um, Hackney in East London. Um, got a rather large team. We enter the full cohort for GCSE and we've got large A-level classes as well. I've been a full school lead practitioner in the past in a different guise and um, I love running. Excellent. Excellent. I think as in my experience, as long as you know that Adam loves running, you know Adam, to be honest. <laughs> Very true. Very true. <laughs> and so, um, Alicia, that leaves you if you're able to unmute yourself and you'd like to um, to introduce yourself. So, I'm Alicia Blanvillain. I am head of French at Regent High School, which is an inner London school. 
And uh, we have Key Stage 3, Key Stage 4, and we are trying to recruit for A-levels. So we've been putting in place lots of strategies to motivate students to take languages for A-levels. And so, yeah, I'm really happy to be here tonight to talk about languages and how can we reinforce uh, our cohorts in GCSE and A-level with you. Excellent, excellent. I'm so, so excited to have everybody here. Um, and my huge thanks to Pearson, who, of course, are sponsoring um, our, our late show this evening. It's time for a fresh start to language learning. Pearson Edexcel's new student-centred French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs cater to the needs of all learners, regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying. Rooted in learned language knowledge, their assessments are transparent and accessible, allowing all students to showcase their language skills. Through inclusive and relatable content, the new Pearson Edexcel MFL GCSEs build a shared cultural capital that helps students develop an understanding of and appreciation for the wider world. Find out more at go.pearson.com forward slash MFL GCSE 24. Um, just in case you're not sure who I am, uh, my name is Darren Lester. I will be the host and moderator now that I'm finally here this evening. Um, I teach classical and modern languages. Um, from nursery right up to A-level. So I have a nice full um, full view of the spectrum. Um, and to be completely honest, I'm looking forward to just sitting back and listening to what all of these awesome people have to say today. Um, we are here, of course, to talk about the relevance of language learning, because like many, many subjects, um, as we've seen over the past few weeks, we're having fewer and fewer students um, continue our subject through, particularly to A-level. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to set the scene to start with. I'm going to give you some facts and figures. Um, and then we're just going to kind of open up to um, all of the cool things that people have to suggest uh, that we might be able to do to mitigate some of these problems that we're having. So I double checked the facts and figures um, earlier this evening. And the information that I've got is via Newsweek. Uh, I will tweet out a link to the article that I'm, I'm quoting for after the show. Um, we have seen German, Spanish and French being the subjects with the biggest drop in A-level entries compared to last year. So that's out of all subjects, not just out of languages. Out of all subjects, German, Spanish and French are those with the biggest drop in A-level entries. Um, entries in German fell by 17% uh, between last year and this year. In Spanish, uh, they fell 12.7% from last year to this year. And from French, they fell 12.5% from last year to this year. So that's, that's worrying, particularly when we were having very small cohorts at A-level to start with. Um, there is good news, though. It's not all doom and gloom. At GCSE, French entries actually rose by 0.3%. Um, we'll ignore the fact that that's a very small percentage and we will enjoy the fact that it's a rise. Um, Spanish was amazing. Spanish entries rose 4.6%, which is, is wonderful. Um, and as a non-Spanish teacher, I'm very, very jealous of that. Um, unfortunately, um, because German is one of the languages that I teach, German GCSE entries did fall by almost 6%. Um, the House of Commons Library research last year has highlighted that falling entries in German and Spanish specifically are behind the declining entries to MFL qualifications overall. 
So it really is our German and Spanish A-level entries that we need to be targeting um, if we're going to kind of equalize compared to where we were last year. And the government, of course, has launched its wonderful um, language hubs program for German that it is hoping will boost the, the uptake there. So it's a bit of a mixed picture. It is a bit of a mixed picture. Obviously, any falling is going to be uh, very upsetting for us. But let's have a think. And this probably is specifically going to be for the teachers. Um, so Karine for you, Alicia for you and Adam for you. Um, what do you think the in-school factors are that could impact why a student doesn't pick a foreign language and what can we do to, to mitigate those? Are you talking at, sorry it's Karine, are you talking at GCSE or A-level? Um, I think just in general. I, th I think if we open up in general um, and then we can we can narrow down to, to one or the other. I think there's this, this idea that um, languages are, are hard yeah. harder than other subjects and I think it's kind of this myth going around schools and so don't pick languages is hard and I think that's one of the of the of the main issues and also budget as well and I think once there isn't a class for let's say GCSE French or A level I think it's difficult then to go back and trying to you know, have another um, class so if one year you don't have a year 12 then it's difficult to set the scene and say okay let's do you know you can do a level French if there isn't one uh, anymore so I think it depends on budget as well I mean there's a lot of things going on in, in schools budget and recruitment uh, the myth that obviously languages are difficult and also the choices that they have I mean in some schools they do make it compulsory to take a language at GCSE some don't so if it's not compulsory, you know, students will choose another one. At A-level, the change for, uh, from the um, A2, A AS to the current one also, because before they would choose four subjects at AS and maybe drop um, you know, three for A2, but sometimes they would keep it. But now when you start the two-year course with only three, I think that's why we've lost a lot at A-level, because before they would, you know, they would start a four AS, uh, four ASs and then carry on because they thought well actually I've done I've done it to AS so I can carry on to A2 but yeah so I think that would be the main issues currently. Thank you that those are some really really interesting points um you touched on something that I was talking about with a colleague of mine today which is the the recruitment and retention of teachers um I mean I'm very lucky because I work in an independent school so we we do justify classes of one um, but, you know, if you've got an A-level class of one in a state school, that's not always justifiable according to the budget. Um, and then, of course, if you stop offering the subject to A-level, then fewer people are going to take it for degree, which means we're going to have fewer teachers, which means there will be fewer opportunities to study. And it becomes this kind of um, vicious cycle almost of people not having the language skills in order to train up the next next generation of linguists. Mm. Do we think that um, the outside influences play a very big part in student choices? I'm thinking particularly GCSE. I would. Um, sorry, no, that's um, right, Adam, go ahead. I think, um, absolutely, I think you look at how tight budgets are, you look at um, things. So, for instance, to give you a quote, we were in our extended leadership team meeting last week, and we looked at the cost of, for instance, even something as silly as paper um, in reprographics and how much we've used this year compared to last yeah. year and you could fund a f uh, you could you could finance an ECT off the amount that the the increase in spend has been 
which I think puts wow. things into proportion when, especially when Kareem's talking about budget. Um, I think staffing, um, I've, I'm in the very, very lucky position that I've only got one member of staff going and it's purely out of maternity more than anything else. Um, so I've got a really stable team, a large team. But I think when it comes to classes and viability, I think people are feeling the pinch um, in terms of um, class sizes. I think hours are getting reduced as well, depending on smaller class sizes as well. And I think what Kareen said as well about the the if you don't run a class for several years, you've also got the additional financial um, burden of, for instance, as we're seeing with the new 2024 specifications, having to fork out money perhaps for new resources which is all expenditure. Yep. It's, it's it's a lot of money when I've worked in a school before where we've barely had enough money to print off um, end-of-term assessments. So I think that pinch is really, really affecting us. I also think that on the flip side, though, I think there's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy of us that we, we were in danger of falling into as language as teachers of we're, we're doomed, we're gloom, we're, we're doomed. We, we're not and we have to hold our heads up high we have to be esteemed we have to be proud of the languages that we teach the fact that it's a very academic subject but that we make it accessible to students and that they can do this and i think i, was, I had a, a, an absolutely amazing amazing teacher um at, in sunderland i'm from the durham coalfield and she made that kind of she left us with a present of the lonely planet travel guide to spain and realizing that there's a bigger world out there and i think we have to yeah really really counter that self-fulfilling prophecy of actually it's all doom and gloom but actually no we're not we're a bunch of professionals we are in the right place where we can do this and i think the hubs the ncle hubs should really really spearhead that kind of professionalism that kind of unity that um we are a group of teachers not working in silos i think if you work in a silo as well on your own you, you are likely to potentially um, fall into that self impossible prophecy of oh, it's all doom and gloom because you've got nobody else there to lift you up. You've got nobody else there, other heads of department perhaps, to have coaching conversations mm-hmm. with. And I think that's really, really important because if we give off the feeling of that sentiment towards students, they're not going to pick languages. We have to yeah. really, really sell it. We have to be the ones that can be like, we, we can get you the grids. We know how to get you the grids. You've got to trust in us. We will give you excellent teaching and learning, so choose a language. But then there's also the whole case of STEM. And I think looking at certain backgrounds and ways certain children are raised to believe that STEM is the way forward, that that's a hard one to battle. And just before I finish on that point, I think it's really interesting what Vincent Everett was saying the other day in terms of languages. Are we just teaching them purely as a language discipline? Or do we need to look at maybe creating a qualification that's slightly different, slightly more geared awards combining them with something else so such as like language and politics or something uh, i don't know i think there's other avenues that we need to explore um i would agree with that completely um i mean my master's degree is in applied linguistics and i've often thought it's a big shame that we don't have a a specific linguistics um gcse or a level uh, the sort of thing that we do in english language a level where we teach children how to analyze text properly where we teach them why the parts of speech are important um, and all that sort of thing. I think if we had that as a as a foundational subject, it might then increase interest in taking an actual language um, as they move up through the school. Um, although, of course, you know, Pearson sponsoring, and and I understand that we understand that there are budgetary constraints for you guys as well. Um, and so, I'm sure there are all sorts of subjects that you would like to offer as as an examined subject. 
um, that you can't because you're under the same strain that we are. It's, um, it is a difficult one. It is a difficult one. Um, Adam, I was interested in what you said about the push for STEM because that does um, kind of relate to the question that I was posing before about those those outside influences because we are now as as polly has pointed out um in a reply we're now in a post-brexit britain uh languages were not exactly high on the list anyway yeah. because of the whole um everybody speaks english um and so now with brexit they've kind of gone further down the priorities list because everything's become a little bit more insular yeah. um so do we think that these kind of external factors have had a had an impact i would say without a doubt um they've had an impact but then it's also about thinking cleverlier outside the box so for instance our careers like our a-level careers advisor um we have members of staff who obviously they teach but they also are specialists in kind of university applications looking at russell groups and it's, it's little things like such as if a student wants to do medicine for instance they can do obviously the classic chemistry they can do the classic Sci like two sciences but for instance if, if if they are good at languages and they want to pursue that they can still do that and still apply for medicine and are we telling students that they can do this maybe that they still can continue that yeah. language or are we maybe having the conversations that for instance you can combine languages with something else at university that you can do for instance i know where i went in sheffield you can do maths and spanish for instance that you can <laughs> do joint honors I mean, it's, it's what shocks me as well is the amount of times I've had to explain how the university credit system works, for instance, that you have like £120 to spend a year. You might spend £80 on your core economics, but then you've got £40 left to spend. Do you want to spend that on doing 20 credits in Spanish or 40 credits in Spanish? Like in the Languages Teaching Centre, students don't know that they've got these opportunities available no. for them. I think we've got the duty as well as obviously pushing for A-level uptake to promote those and if we do show the importance of joint honours if you do love language learning you're good at it you you can apply for the likes of medicine you can apply for stem courses and still continue on i think that's really important we've got the duty to do that absolutely um, um i think quite often we forget to show our students that languages are not necessarily a subject that you study to learn that language it's a subject that you study to be able to do something else with it um, you know, so with the, the number of native, with the number of French speakers that there are in London, if you want to be a London based doctor, learn French, because that's a really helpful language for you to have when you are dealing with someone who is not very well and will take comfort in speaking their native language to you. Um, I think that's a really good point. Um, Alicia, I wanted to ask you as a as a French teacher. Um, French, of course, is is traditionally the first modern language that students take up and it will have been the language that parents tend to study do you find that there is um a lot of of influence from parents um, and from other people who have studied french towards your learners because you know there's the perception i get all the time of oh well french is really hard compared to spanish um well actually i'm i'm hearing a bit the opposite at the moment from a oh, lot of people like lots of students think that spanish is much easier and French is actually considered a lot from what I'm seeing that as an elite subject, a difficult subject. And okay. it's quite sad because lots of them, because they get stopped by that, because they think that it's only reserved for a certain type of student or type of people, they will not even give it a chance. And so motivation for me is a big, big like break on the learning because 
if you don't try, of course, you can't get it right. And that's something that students often forget. So yeah. it's a big problem. And for A-levels, I wanted just to add that about something that was said before. I agree yeah. that if we were allowing four subjects, we would get much more in tech. Like when we have some students wanting to do medicine, of course, they are going to want to feel safe in having science. But the fourth subject that always I hear like my very high achiever saying, if they had a fourth subject, they would take French because they know it's important. It's just they don't have the space with only three languages, with only yeah. three subjects at A level. There is no space for us for an extra thing because they want to feel reassured. They want to feel that they get the, all the basis they think is important for university. And so they are not often leaving themselves with enough space on that three subjects. So that's one of the main problems for like our A-level and tech in my school, actually. And to go back for parental like support and engagement with French, it's clear that when parents have studied French and they enjoy it and they have a good memory of it, they are going to push their, their, their children to go for it and they are going to be highly supportive. However, for in a lot of cases, I don't know why, but people keep the memory that is difficult. And yeah. so maybe it's because they were part of another curriculum. Maybe it's because they studied a long time ago and so they don't remember it at all or very few bits and pieces. But parental engagement is a key thing for students' intakes. And we need to push that more and more in the years coming because we see it when we do the open evenings for A-level, for GCSEs. The parents are the ones taking their children to see us and they are the ones who are speaking about the language the best when they are motivated by it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I think you're right. I think it is really important for us to um to to get the parents on board and to make sure that they understand the 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 value of a language um for their children as they go forward. Um Karine, I was wondering if you had anything, if you in maybe your consultancy work, if you've seen anything um, that we've kind of not touched on yet? No, I think we've touched on quite a lot here. And uh, I think, yeah, it's all about the budget, the recruitment, the provision, but also, you know, we, we touched on, I think, a little bit on, on gradings as well. And sometimes it feels like teachers are saying, oh, you know, students uh, achieve a, a grade less in, in languages. So, you know, you're having to justify this to, to the schools as well. Um, so I think we've gone around the whole... I think all the factors um, and also the as you said the 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 outside factors the dismiss about uh, languages that are not useful um, yeah so that and the difficulty in having hard subjects but I think we've touched on quite a lot here amazing thank you um, so Katie and Mike I suppose this is a good time to turn over to you um, because we've talked about how there is that perception I think Alicia picked it up Perfectly. There is that perception that languages are hard. Um, there is the perception that because we've got to work that bit harder, we won't get as high a grade. And so is it worth risking? Um, so can I ask, to what extent does the, the new GCSE spec, which I know has been um, uh, endorsed now in French, and I saw that Rebecca has tweeted out the draft vocab lists for Spanish and German this evening, um, to what extent is that going to address the, the student and parental concerns? Yeah, there are so many different factors, aren't there, which all of the, the teachers have been kind of rightly discussing. And 
some of those factors are going to be things which are the more like the underlying cause of why a student might have some of those negative feelings about choosing a language for GCSE. And some of them are kind of the um, the result of, of, of the impact of those choices being carried forward, aren't they? Um, around the perception of severe grading, I think it's kind of reasonable for us to um, acknowledge at this point that severe grading was kind of recognised as being an issue in MFL um, by Ofqual. Um, and that's why for last year, um, there was that grading recalibration to slightly increase the number of candidates who could achieve at certain grades, because when they did a kind of analysis over time of, of student outcomes, they, they did find that because of the kind of way in which grades are allocated, um, there was a little bit of an adjustment that needed to be made. So I think it's um, I think it's okay for us to, to, to have talked about it as a perception up to that point, but at this point we can kind of accept that as a reality, which hopefully has been addressed somewhat. But in terms of the new GCSE, I think one of the most important things that we need to do is, is to really understand the root cause of that reluctance in students by actually asking the students themselves, what is it about learning a language that you really love? What is it that as an output of learning a language you would really want to be able to do? And then what is it about the way in which you're perhaps not even so much your language course in your school, but maybe your concept of this language qualification at the end of it. What is it about that that's kind of getting in the way and dampening your enthusiasm for the kind of things that you would love to be able to do with your language? And so really listening to that student voice, understanding that you know, the vast majority of them want to be able to communicate with other people. They want to be able to speak, they want to be able to have conversations, make friends, make connections with different language speakers. And yet the speaking exam is one of the elements of the qualification as it stands in the kind of legacy world where it's the most scary for them. I know it's kind of scary for teachers as well because you've got this really critical role as the teacher examiner. You don't want to get anything wrong. The kids don't want to get anything wrong. We've heard all of these kind of um, stories from teachers as we've been going around talking about the new qualifications, you know, asking them how students feel in relation to the speaking assessments. And they're telling us they're terrified, they're, they're scared, they're nervous, they're anxious. They can, you know, they get themselves in a real state. and at the same time, talking and communicating is one of the great gifts that learning a foreign language can give us. So in the new qualification, we need to do everything that we can to try and take some of that fear and some of that um, negativity that's associated with the language away. So making sure they feel confident, making sure they can feel in control, feel well prepared and all of those kind of things. Um, and if we can get to the root of some of those emotional reasons why a student might not want to take a language hopefully over time as that experience filters back down we've talked about from you know parents to children but also from siblings to siblings as that kind of filters down through the year groups at school languages actually can be something really fun it's an opportunity to play it's an opportunity to try new things almost a kind of get a different perspective on yourself, try out, try on a different kind of personality with this new kind of language skill that you can gain. If we can get some of that fun back um, and not 
quash that through a qualification model that kind of um that squeezes all the fun out of it then hopefully that will go away to, to making languages more attractive at GCSE and then subsequently beyond that. Absolutely I, I agree Katie completely and that it's lovely to hear you talk about asking the students um what it is they want because ultimately um and I say this to my students all the time I've got my GCSE in French I don't need another one. <laughs> Um, and so it is, it's their qualification and it, it should be led by them. It should be about what they want to learn. Um, so I'm really glad that, that you've been having those conversations and um, and kind of finding that out. It must be quite difficult, though, um, from your perspective and, and Mike, from yours, to, to get a balance in the exam, to make sure that it is academically rigorous, to make sure that we're not dumbing down um, while making sure that we are accessible and, and what the kids want to study. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good point a good question and I think the new GCSEs are trying to address that um, a lot in, in particular when you think about the the word count now so it's about the, the the most frequently used words that students will use and although they might be cutting down the vocabulary it's going to be more accessible and more usable so actually it's going to be a, a positive change in in the end and I think some of the other things to consider um, are just Historically, I, mean, I remember doing this. I mean, I'm, I'm nearly close to 50 now. And I remember when I was uh, 16, I, I did get the ski trip uh, picture card. If you remember <laughs> that, on the card. I got that and hadn't been. And I think what these other things that we're in control of is making sure that languages doesn't become uh, the realm of exclusive exclusivity and uh, students aren't put in those positions of imagining scenarios that they you know, it's hard enough for them to even answer, you know, where did you go last week? And they, they know what they did last week, but sometimes it's difficult to sort of put it out there. But if you ask them, okay, you're on a ski slope now, what, what are you going to do today? And that yeah. is in a situation they, they, they've got no idea about that. Some do, some don't. I think that level playing field is really important. I don't think that's, um, you know, dumbing down the qualification. It's just purely make sure they can have a, a better go uh, showing that the the language they've got uh, knowledge of the uh, the experiences they have they can put that using the, the language they have and I think that's a big thing that is is going to be a, a huge improvement in the new qualification and, and again like Katie says uh, after you know one or two uh, I mean even right now we've we've had um, uh, accessibility men's put through last year and people are talking about it and if you see on social media this year the, the noise coming out afterwards or the sort of comments coming out is a lot more positive very quickly and it'll take maybe two more goes three more goes of that and suddenly you know my son is taking GCSEs in three years he'll be like okay this this is something I want to take my younger son after that he'll have his older brother saying hey listen language is a, a good thing to do off you go go and take it and he'll take it which is one of the things that made me take it I had an older sibling who, who took languages so I think there's lots of things we we have done I don't think the, the fear of dumbing down should be something we're, we're concerned about. We should be getting students to love languages because after all, at the age of 16, after taking GCSEs, we're not expecting students to be fluent speakers. If I ask everyone on the call, when did you become a fluent speaker? I'm sort of probably jumping the gun here, but I, mean, I expect most of you say probably that year abroad when you did that Erasmus year. And so we just want to carry on. And that that's the big thing we want to do is make sure there's a cumulative effect. We get that change. We have overall perception in uh, school zeitgeist in, in, and then in society languages is, is something that you should take and is, is enjoyable. And then we'll have, you know, hopefully uh, a, a different perspective, potentially politically or economically in the future. Absolutely. I, I think that's that's really interesting um, because it, it kind of loops back to the, the parental input that we were talking about before, because particularly for 
maybe our students who have parents who didn't study beyond GCSE um, or, or O-level, who left school at 16. GCSEs may have been the most difficult exams that they took. And so for, for those parents, GCSEs are really, really hard and they're this, this big thing. Uh, and that then gets passed down onto the students. So I think it's really important for us to remind our students that actually, no, you don't need to be a Chinese person in order to get a nine in Chinese. Um, you just need to have a decent grasp of the language because that fluency will come later. Yeah. And I think to also get that really clear picture on what good and successful in a language means when we're learning a second language at GCSE level. Because yeah. unlike any other subject, you've got your mother tongue sat there next to the language which you're trying to learn at the relatively late age of 12 as this constant kind of comparative judgment well i'm 100 percent fluent in my native tongue i can express all of these complicated thoughts and yet in french german spanish chinese whatever it might be i feel so much less competent and in order to feel competent i some i somehow have to be able to align my second language acquisition with my first language acquisition and of course you don't have to be anywhere near that our perception as language learners and language assessors um, for what is a brilliant, outstanding and, and stupendous performance for GCSE, grade nine, grade seven, grade four, whatever it might be, has to be something which is reasonable and realistic. But also as learners, we have to accept the fact that that's good enough. That's plenty. That's fine. I'm doing well. And I think that the, your, your mother tongue comparison can sometimes be a little bit misleading. And that is definitely not what we're after when we're looking at, you know, high performance for GCSE. And it, should, it shouldn't be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure that Adam, Alicia and Karine can also um, attest to this. How often um, a student comes up to you and asks for the most complicated sentence. And it tends to be when they're in kind of key stage three in in my experience you're seven eight and nine they'll come and they'll say oh but i want to say last weekend i went to the tallest cinema at the top of the eiffel tower with my third cousin twice removed and we watched a fantastic film that was full of japes and laughs and we had a jolly time <laughs> i have to say to them no that's that's not how french works first of all. And secondly, that's not what I need you to do. I just need you to say, je suis allé au cinéma. <laughs> so I think, I mean, it, it sounds to me really, really encouraging um, what you're saying. And I did look through the the new spec again for French um, earlier. Uh, and I, I, I really liked what I saw. And I felt that it is um, very student-centred. Um, you know, I, I liked the the inclusive language that is starting to be brought in. Um, I liked that you were already thinking about well, what happens with students who take gender neutral pronouns, for example, in English. Mm. You know, it does it does feel like the exam is is moving towards Generation Z, um, mm. moving towards what is is relevant and important to them, which I, I think is really vital. Um, so I will throw out again to the teachers um, in no particular order. So feel free to unmute and speak as you would like to. What do we need to be doing, do you think, in order to kind of capitalise on this this student centred exam um, as as we're redesigning our curricula, as it were? Is it OK to speak ice cream? Um, yes. 
Obviously, having worked on the, the list uh, with Pearson and on the, the new spec and some of the uh, sample assessments, and being a teacher as well, obviously I've got the two, <laughs> the, the two <laughs> sides of it. Um, I think we need to rethink the way that we teach um, the specification because for so many years and so many specifications, the language acquisition has been driven by themes you know, and yeah. topics. Whereas with this one, it's going to be driven by the list. The list is going to be your drive. The list is going to be what students have to be able to manipulate. It's going to be able to, to talk through different um, topics. So it's not just about I'm learning the theme of whatever. Here is all the, the, the words I need to know, but it's going to be completely different. Actually, the themes are, and they're not optional, but they, they, they came after the list because we were designing the list and we say okay here are the words that we have okay what are the themes that we we can come up with with the the words that we have so you know it's been a very long process making up the list i mean i started on the list at easter two years ago so it's been a wow. a, a, a long long time and as katie and, and mike were saying we're trying to be very inclusive and trying to look at what are the words that you know we are going to need or the, the, the pupils are going to need to be able to express themselves and and also to be pupil centered and also to for them to express their their interest as well to be relevant to them so there's been a lot a lot of discussion about what pupils wanted to uh, to learn so i think it's going to be more of a rethink of how we we teach so the list being the center of our teaching and how we're going to reuse those words in different um uh, scenarios and different um themes you know that's why and also i think a lot of support to teachers because again if we had to rethink how to to teach no, so not just about as I was saying per, per theme, but you know how to use that list and how to, to manipulate those words and how to manipulate the grammar that is, is in there as well, because there are some constraints to, to that list, but also to realize that actually the list is there and what's going to be the exam is going to be in the list, but it's not going to be the end of the teaching. For example, if they want to say something, it's not because it's not in the list that as a teacher, I'm not going to teach it. You know, for example, if they want to say the color purple, for example, that is not in the list, I'm still going to teach them the, the color purple, yeah. but actually they know that this is not going to be the exam. So I think it's that understanding that even though it's not in the list, we still need to provide that breadth of, um, of knowledge of the language and it's not because it's not in the in the grammar list that we're not going to teach that point of grammar so i think it's just understanding uh, the what has driven this new specification which is the the list um and yes it's just what could be done with that list and how creative we could be with, with that and just to give it to the students and here is a few words what can you say about yourself with those few words you know what do you want to talk about so it's more giving it to them and and the topics are very broad and general so they should be able to talk about themselves and you know they they they, they are very um open in terms of uh, of topics so it's up to them to reuse different words in different topics to just talk about whatever they they want to talk about um, um, yeah, I think I'm going to stop here. I think other teachers might want to say anything else, but uh, yeah, um, I could go on and on about this new spec because I've been involved a lot in it. Uh, I don't know, uh, Katie, do you want to say anything about the um, the new list or the the new spec and the teaching? Or? Yeah, it's really it's really interesting because, as Mike said, one of the key differences between the let we have to call it the legacy GCSE now, even though it only feels five minutes ago that we were 
talking about the new GCSE for 2016, yeah. isn't it? It's not worth counting how many years have gone by sometimes. Um, so with the legacy GCSE ballpark, you've got about two and a half thousand words that make up the minimum core vocabulary list there. Okay. With the new with the new GCSE for the higher tier, 1,700 words on the vocabulary wow. list, and for the foundation tier, 1,200 words. So quite okay. a significant reduction in the number of words. Um, so what that means is, as Kareen said, we've had these um, parameters around where those words have to come from. So 85% of them have to come from the top 2,000 most frequently occurring words in that language. So the right. idea there is to give students to give learners the most frequent words that can be used in the highest number of different contexts so that when they're using when they've got that core vocabulary of frequent words they can communicate they can understand they can use the language productively and receptively in the maximum number of um, transferable situations almost and then for the 15 percent that come from somewhere else obviously making sure that that's where you've got words which are age appropriate i don't know if anyone has ever read the Routledge French Frequency Dictionary? I'm sure Karine will join me in saying I don't yes, recommend it. I, have. <laughs> I know it off by heart. <laughs> Unless you're suffering from insomnia, I don't yeah. recommend it as bedtime reading. But what you'll find if you're familiar with frequency dictionaries is they um, they draw on corpuses. And, you know, that corpus wasn't put together with 16-year-old English second language learners at its heart, you know. So it might come from legal materials. It might come from sort of highbrow, broadsheet journalism type materials. There's going to be words in there that have got no relevance to your learner group. So we obviously yeah. don't want to include those. So you've got this 15% of other words that can come to make your content relatable, make it um, make sure it's reflective of the, of the type of cohorts that we're teaching, making sure that it's inclusive, but also really um, funny little um, foibles in the frequency dictionaries. Now, I can't remember one of my colleagues, remember, whether, with, whether it was uh, Spanish, I think it was, that of all the numbers that we were going to include, because obviously no presumed prior knowledge for the new GCSE, so you've got your days of the week, your numbers, your colours and all of those kind of things, okay. but the number 16 isn't in the top 2,000. So you've got this, <laughs> you've got the 16-year-old, 15-year-old children learning this GCSE course and the number 16 isn't there. So obviously you're using your 15% to backfill to make sure that that list is like relevant to the learner. Um, Thursday wasn't in there, even though, you know, wow. you, you, you had to be like Lundy, Mardi, Mercredi, oh, I don't know, Vendredi, Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> even even with like chips and something like that, it wasn't yeah. in the list. So we had, you know, to, you know, because if you ask them what do you eat, they're probably going to say chips, but yeah. that was not in the top two thousand. So we had to include it. So so mm. lots of words like this that we we know as teachers that you know pupils want to use, but they were not in top two thousand. So we had a lot of you know um, dilemma about you know what to include, and you know, so it's been a very long process. Yeah. I, and I think one of the things that is really reassuring about this, though, is, as Kareem said, you are obviously not as teachers. We're not going to say to our students, let's say, for example, and this is just an example number, there's 10 sports in the list of sports. Your, your most frequent, most kind of generic football, tennis, whatever it might be. And yeah. then you have a student that's like, oh, sir, oh, miss, I'm the... I know, the Southampton under 17 pole vault 
champion how do I say pole vault we're not going to say well I'm not telling you because it's not in the top 2000 obviously or we're not I'm not telling you it's not on the list we can broaden and expand the children's vocabulary beyond the list but what's really reassuring is in all of the receptive tasks so in all of the listening materials and in all of the reading materials we will only ever use words off the list so it's not a competition to who can learn the most or who knows more is going to gain more we're only ever going to base the listening and the reading tasks within the 1700 or 1200 words and then for the speaking and the writing those are set to guide the students towards the words that are on the list. And there's no additional credit for students drawing on wider vocabulary. They get equal credit. So if it asks about sports and I say football and that's on the list, but somebody else says pole vaulting and that's not on the list, we get equal credit, that's only fair, but I don't get extra credit for knowing an extra word because then you're into the kind of area of rewarding volume as opposed to just knowledge of the core content of the qualification so I think in that sense the list-based frequency-based approach with the shorter number of words and only using those in the receptive skills and equally rewarding them in the productive skills will help students to feel more knowledgeable about what they're going to see and what they're going to hear when they do go into their exams that's again that that's really reassuring because it it sounds very much like you've taken a common sense approach um, when when designing this this new spec, which of course is one of the things that we need to be able to reiterate to our students when they're making their choices. Because you know, a couple of years ago on Teacher Twitter, we were talking about corpora and mm. and the the high frequency words, and you know, we were pointing out the fact that uh, I don't speak Spanish, but I remember vividly um, one of the words for priest or monk comes up very very high in the frequency because it's a catholic country so of course it does yeah um and you know there there was concern that um that these 2000s most common words were just going to be blithely plucked from the internet and put into a a vocab list so you know it is reassuring to us that you you've taken the time to to sit and think about what is valuable to these students because you know we know they want to feel represented we know they want to feel like their qualifications are relevant to them um, and it really feels like you've done the work to to make that happen. Also, when you're looking think, at so, the sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, go sorry ahead. I just go wanted ahead. to to add something about it because it's not just the vocabulary that is changing in this new GCSE. It's also the fact that we are also putting a big emphasis on the phonics there, and yes. that's really important for students because they want to speak, but they don't just want to speak. They want to sound native, to sound fluent. <laughs> and when you told when you tell them, oh, good, your sentence was great because you put like the verb, the adjective, etc., they're happy about it. But when you tell them that the pronunciation was great and they sound like native, you see a boost in their motivation and in their confidence that even if every single word in the sentence wasn't correct, they are gonna feel much more empowered by this comment. And yeah. so phon- phonics and being able to, pr- to read a full text without having to be like repeating behind the teacher 10 times because there is like words like different uh, or all that are very difficult in French is extremely reward- rewarding for students. And that's what they are looking for, especially in Key Stage 3. And we want mm. to motivate Key Stage 3 in order for them to pick it for Key Stage 4. So that's, for me, one of the key points that I really appreciate in the new one. I think, yeah, that's a really good point. And I've not thought of it that way before, um, because I will admit, I was one of those teachers who was trained not to ask children to read aloud. Um, mm. And so when I heard that read aloud was coming into the speaking, 
um, I, I was a little bit apprehensive. Uh, but it is interesting, Alicia, to hear your point and to think about how that could be rewarding for them because it is about the pronunciation. Um, and that is the thing that they like to get right. And it is funny how our students get hung up on that. Um, I teach in a school with lots of international students who speak perfectly perfect English, um, but of course don't sound like British people. Um, and, and our students hear that and they know that. And yet when they come to their lessons, they want to sound French, they want to sound mm -hmm. Chinese. Um, and so for, for them quite often, um, pronunciation isn't enough and accent is important. So I, I like that idea of being able to, to, to reward it. I think that's really cool. And also um, like that, you can reach more students because it's not like you learn the grammatical rule. It becomes, it belongs a lot to your ear and the way you are listening to words. Yeah. And so sometimes the student who is not the most academic might get it extremely right. So it can be frustrated for some, but you might reach more students. Absolutely, absolutely. So what I'm gonna do, because we've only got a couple of minutes left, I can't believe how quickly this, this hour has flown, um, technical difficulties aside. Um, let's spin the, the, the title of this slightly, because I wanna go back to what Adam said um, earlier about being positive, you know, making sure that we're, we're not dragging it down. So instead of thinking about um, why are languages relevant? Why are students not choosing languages? Let's spin it and say, right, what are we going to do to make sure that they do? What what can we bring into our practice, um, such as rewarding them for their um, for their accent that that is going to infuse them? We've got three minutes to solve this whole problem. <laughs> um, I think for me, uh, just with my results head on more than anything else, um, I've got a team that will want to know the new specification, will want to know the new, um, how the exam is going to be marked inside out. And I think if we know that and if our students trust in our knowledge of that and trust that we can do everything in our powers to get them those marks, I think that for me will really help our students have that positive mentality that they can do it that they will do it i think for me as well it's engaging in for instance one of the one of the hardest things i found with the legacy spec was when we changed over to it and we had to provide data and that data was calculated off the old specification our students were all of a sudden getting <laughs> grades ones and twos and then they magically come out with eights nines and sevens and i think that, mm. that for me is going to be a hard sell but not one that's impossible and it's going to be kind of just them trusting in our knowledge and our understanding aspects but for yeah. me it's going to be getting my head to get my head getting the team's heads in the new specifications working out the examination criteria what they're going to be tested on and really just drip feeding that in i love it that's that's so true because as much as we want to believe that they are there to to learn our subject the the cold truth is they are there to get a gcse or to get an a level um, and, and so they need to they need to believe that we know what we're doing um, in training them through that um, so actually on that point, Katie and Mike, can I ask you, I know there have been lots of kind of getting to know the new GCSE events, uh, you've been doing them live, which has been really cool. Um, are they going to carry on? Will there be an online one that we can refer back to? Kind of what what is coming for us as the teachers to, to solidify our knowledge of the new spec? Well, Mike's been leading on getting our programme of events together, so I'll, uh, I'll let him let you know what's upcoming. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we've got lots of well, we've had about 45 to 50 events so far. We're going to have um, a, a series. Have a look online. If you go to pdacademy.pearson.com, anyone listeners here, so pdacademy.pearson.com, um, and look up under secondary and languages, and you'll find um, 
launch events that are coming up soon so where you can choose where to to um sign up for we've got various ones still taking place around the country we've got them in newbury rugby ipswich birmingham ascot cheltenham manchester ripon london ashington that's before the end of the school year um and then in the last two weeks of september we're going to have um a few more um events running in the major cities as well as online as well so you you haven't missed it uh, we're going to have a couple more online we have them in manchester london birmingham and then around the you know the more of the corners newcastle sheffield leeds etc so keep your eyes out for those they're coming up live soon and then we'll be starting from october the, the uh, getting ready to teach us qualification training so they'll be coming out um, i'd say within the next couple of weeks so keep your ears and eyes to the ground on on the social media sphere and at um, pdacademy.pearson.com you'll find everything there and uh hopefully we'll see you face to face uh very shortly excellent excellent i do hope so now i'm going to ask a question while i have you here that i don't know if you can answer and if you can't that's absolutely fine um but i think by now we've all been through enough cycles to assume that a change in gcse spec means that a change in a level spec is coming soon well, I mean, it's a, fair, it's a fairly um, uh, logical assumption. Um, what I can say from my position as a person who works on the development of qualifications as my main bread and butter is yeah. I have not heard anything official or otherwise about the plans for the A-levels in Fair French, enough. German or Spanish. So I can be, now that's not to say that, you know, Nick Gibb would be ringing me up and saying, hey, Katie, <laughs> I've got some plans. I'd just like to run past you. But, you know, as Corrine said, she spent the better part of two years working on the vocab list. We were working on the 2024 development. It was interestingly the last meeting I had before we got sent home at lockdown oh, wow. so that would have been what three three and a half years ago yeah. so there's a long lead-in time usually and as far as i know lowly as i am <laughs> there isn't um motion at the moment at least not that we're involved in around a level but one would have to assume that it must be on the longer horizon simply in order to support progression yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I think I think that's a safe assumption. But I will say, just in case anybody in the uh, in the decision making arena is listening, um, it's always nice for us to be able to digest and, and get to know the new spec first so that, as Adam said, we can um, we can be confident delivering the new GCSE before having to then also teach a whole new A-level. So, um, you know, Nick Gibb, if you are listening, if you want to just, <laughs> just pin that for a little while, we would appreciate yeah, just give it. Katie a ring, let her know. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. And then oh, we'll have Katie back on the show in a couple of weeks. Time for the same day, so. <laughs> oh, right. Well, like I said, I can't believe how quickly this hour has gone. I have loved every minute of it. So I would like to thank all of my guests, um, to thank Katie and Mike from Pearson, to thank Pearson, of course, for sponsoring the the event this evening so katie and mike thank you both ever so much you're welcome thank our pleasure. You. uh to thank karine for her contribution here this evening and all of the work she's clearly put into the list i'm going to study the list again um and make sure i let you know how much i love it <laughs> and to alicia and adam our two teachers on the ground who have joined us with some really interesting things uh that i'm going to think about as i as i introduce the new spec to my kids thank you both so much cheers darren thank you <laughs>
And of course, to you, the listeners, thank you so much. Um, we will, in fact, be back in a couple of weeks' time. Pearson is sponsoring another space with us that I will be hosting. Um, so I really, really do hope that you will join us then. And please do, uh, regardless of which exam board you teach, please do check out the new Pearson spec because it is an interesting one. Um, and I think it will be a good one to teach. It's time for a fresh start to language learning. Pearson Edexcel's new student-centred French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs cater to the needs of all learners, regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying. Rooted in learned language knowledge, their assessments are transparent and accessible, allowing all students to showcase their language skills. Through inclusive and relatable content, the new Pearson Edexcel MFL GCSEs build a shared cultural capital that helps students develop an understanding of and appreciation for the wider world. Find out more at go.pearson.com forward slash MFL GCSE 24. From us here at Teach Talk Radio, from my guests, thank you all so much. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. <laughs> thank you. Bye.